Lord. Amen. I'm so glad to be here today. I just may shout. I just, I'm thrilled. Amen. Let me do a little housekeeping work before we get started here. Uh, just kind of let you know what's going on and, and uh, so everybody be on the same page. I'm sure that uh, you know that uh, COVID cases are on the increase and everybody wants to know what we're going to do and what's going to happen and all of this. Starting next week, this section here, we're designating again for mask only. And we're going to be a little tougher about it this time. If you don't have a mask, we're going to escort you down to the very front row. Uh, if you sit there, very front row, so you can get a good seat, all right? Uh, but there are those who are very concerned and, and believe masks are the answer. There are those who don't think masks are the answer. And uh, we're just kind of walking in faith and trusting the Lord, amen? If you want to wear a mask, I want to encourage you to wear a mask. I got one right here. If somebody walks up to me with a snotty nose, I'll whoop this thing out in a New York minute. Uh, but... Uh, uh, we, we want to do everything possible. I assure you that our buildings are being fogged. We bought special $3,500 a piece equipment, two of them, uh, back when this thing started. So everything is, I don't remember the word for it, but it ain't just clean. It's really clean. And uh, we do everything we can, fog, and we want to make sure everything is as safe as possible. So those of you who are susceptible and you need to wear a mask, let me tell you, that no, you wear a mask and sit in that section. And the rest of y'all living by fear and, and all of that, you, you leave them alone. Leave them alone there. They're, they're at mask, all right? Now, thank you for praying for us this week. It's been a wild week. Uh, our staff, uh, Nathan and, and uh, uh, JP, was with me in Hendersonville, Tennessee. The ladies were in Loosedale, Mississippi, uh, Jennifer and Chloe. And uh, Jason was pretty well running the thing because Aaron had all the kids to take care of for the last 10 days. And, uh, and Case was on vacation, his third week of vacation. And so he's going to supply the fish, though, for our next fish fry. Amen? Uh, but uh, anyway... We, we had, if you only knew, we left here last Sunday afternoon, just going to, we drove to uh, Shreveport, going to fly to Dallas, and then to, to Nashville, and everything was going to be wonderful. The plane was four hours late in Shreveport. We thought, well, we just, well, to drive to uh, 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 Dallas, I guess, or whatever, and we tried to figure out. Then they delayed the plane in Dallas. So I thought, okay, we can still make the connection. Well, they, they canceled the ladies' flight about midnight or so, or a little less. So they got three hours of sleep. Got them a motel room. They had to fly out first thing in the morning. They canceled ours at 2.30 in the morning. And then about 3.30, we started looking for a hotel room. We, we couldn't find one. They rescheduled us later on in the week. It wouldn't work, so we moved to another airport. We were going there. Then they canceled that flight. And then we finally got out on on. Monday afternoon at 2.55, and we flew to Chicago. We've been to Chicago, amen? And then back down to Nashville. But I want to tell you, uh, every one of us got our certificate, uh, and uh, we, we're ready to go, and I praise the Lord. <clears throat> Somebody said this morning, Does, doesn't that mean maybe God trying to tell you all something? Maybe you don't need to do this? I said, no. That means the devil's trying to keep us from doing something. God got something good, amen? 
I don't know about you, but I'm old enough. I don't want just, I want good. I want God to bless. Amen. Exodus chapter 39, beginning in verse 30. We'll just read one verse. We're going to look, actually, the whole chapter deals with the uh, garments and the apparel uh, of, uh, of the priest. But I want to just sum it up with one chapter, with one verse, and then we'll go from there. Would you stand, please, and honor God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Verse 30 of chapter 39. And they made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold and wrote upon it a writing like to the engravings of a signet, holiness to the Lord, holiness to the Lord. Father, thank you this morning. We're thrilled just to come again to worship you and praise you and adore you. Lord, may you get through to our human minds this morning what you want us to learn about holiness. Lord, not only to our minds, but, oh, God, let it flow over to our hearts that we would be willing to give up whatever it is that's keeping us from being totally united with you in unity and holiness. Bless this service. Those in this place today, some of them have never met you. They don't know about how loving you are. They don't know what it's like to lay their head down at night, go to sleep in peace, knowing their sins have been separated as far as the east is from the west. But I pray, Lord Jesus, today would be their day of salvation. Other needs in this house today, meet those needs. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And thank you for watching by uh, uh, live stream today. Hopefully the sound is better. We don't have everything fixed, but... Most things are fixed, and we're thankful uh, to be a part of this service this morning. All right? Now, uh, the, the Bible says, I want to just think for a few moments this morning about the holiness to the Lord. Part of the apparel that Aaron had to wear on his head was a gold band there, and it, had a, it was a crown of gold, and it had an engraving on it which said, holiness to the Lord. So the emphasis on the crown was holiness. And we learned some lessons from there. I just want to just top off three of them here quickly this morning. We learned, first of all, that holiness is the prerequisite for service. Now, you say, well, preacher, there's a lot of people serving the Lord, and they are. But I want to tell you, if you want to serve the Lord with the glory of God, there's no way to do that without holiness. This church, you will find, you can drive by any night of the week you want to and the lights are on, cars are in the parking lot. You can drive by at 6 in the morning, 6.30. The lights are on, cars are in the parking lot. There's a lot of things that go on in these buildings. I'm one of those guys that believe that you don't build million-dollar buildings to worship in 30 minutes a week and then go home. We use these things all day, all night long. We possibly can. But the most important thing is that we remember that in order to really serve the Lord, holiness is a prerequisite for the service. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 52, 11, Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. The commandment is in the principle here of the requirement of Aaron is that he be holy, that he be clean, but holiness is the most important uh, uh, requirement to serve the Lord. Now, there are a lot of church offices that are not filled with holiness. 
lot of church offices are filled with people uh, who have seniority. I've been killing this class for 40 years, and I'm going to keep on killing, uh, teaching this class. I'm going to continue on. You know, they're there because they've always been there. There are people that say, well, I've got money, and if I give money, I ought to be able to tell you what you're going to do. And they say, well, we need their wealth, so we've got to let them do what they want to do. There are others that are in position because they're popular. They have a charismatic uh, attitude and spirit. And they say, well, it uh, doesn't matter what they're doing on Saturday night. doesn't matter what their attitude is. doesn't matter what they believe about the Word of God. They're just good, positive people. People like them. So let's, let's be. There are others there. I want to tell you, there are people all over the world today in churches and pulpits that are there because their daddy was there. And their granddaddy was there before them. And that's all right unless you substitute holiness and purity for that. When you begin to ignore holiness and purity and say, hey, forget that. Let's get, you get in trouble with God. Those who serve the truth must be of truth. They must be of truth. Uh, men are being put into the ministry in all other areas of Christian service who are immoral they're contrary to Scripture. They've overlooked everything. And, and I want to tell you, we get in trouble with God. Holiness is a prerequisite to service. You say, well, now, what kind of service are we talking about? Well, first of all, we ought to be holy in our body. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1, that we uh, uh, beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your exceptional service, mm -mm. which is your reasonable service. The reasonable way for you and I to be living today is to be living a holy life before the Lord. That's what he expects of us. So we present our body. We ought to be presenting our prayer. 1 Timothy 2.8 says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. One of the greatest needs that this church has, and one came forward this morning in the early service and said, I want to pray about this. I want to give with this. One of our greatest needs is for someone who will coordinate this prayer room over here and get this church back to praying around the clock. We've done that before. And I know you're praying. I know that. Hey, we're singing too. I sang in the shower this morning. I sang in the closet this morning. But bless God, when I got together with God's people, I sang in here. I enjoyed that singing together. You can pray at home and you pray in your closet. But we need a time here where folk are praying and, and battering the gates of heaven for the blessings of God upon this church and upon these ministries here. We need holiness in worship. 1 Peter 2, 5, your lively stones built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God in Jesus Christ. Our citizenship ought to be holy this morning. The Bible says that we're a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a peculiar people. Now, why are we holy? Why are we peculiar? Why are we chosen? Why are we a royal generation? Well, the Scripture tells us why. So that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into light. We ought to be holy this morning because the Lord Jesus Christ reached out and brought us up out of darkness, out of sin, out of bondage, and put us into light. 
And it is a testimony to the world of our citizenship. Listen, friend, we're just passing through this place. Oh, God got something better for us. I mean, this is not the getting off place. We're just passing through here. And we all, I think we ought to have a good time while we're passing through. But I'm telling you, my good time is going to start one of these days on the other side. All right? Our citizenship, our thought patterns. The, the Bible says you shall make a plate of pure gold and grave upon it like the engraving of a signet, holiness to the Lord. In our business, it ought to be holy. We ought to be business and uh, holy in our heart. First Thessalonians 3. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with his saints. I'm telling you this morning, if you want to serve God in the glory of God, if you want to be happy, if you want to have an intimate relationship with God, the only way to do it is to come before God and clean your life up and come holy before the Lord. That's it. Service, a prerequisite of service is holiness. But not only the service part, the adoration of God, the praise of God, the majesticness of God, uh, he said, holiness to the Lord. You see, the holiness is in honor of the Lord. It is to the Lord. Sin dishonors God. Holiness honors God. Someone wrote these words, uh, so little time. The harvest will be over. Our reaping done. We reapers taken home. Report our work to Jesus, Lord of harvest. And hope he'll smile and say, well done. There's coming a time when our chance of reaping, our chance of sowing seeds, our chance of leading people to Jesus Christ are going to be over. It's over. It'll end. We don't have any more chances. Many of us, this is where the message kind of takes a turn for the worst. And then we'll try to get it back on track at the end, all right? But I want to tell you, many of us are going to be heart sick and ashamed when the Lord comes. We're praying, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Some of you better quit praying that. The Word of God says, Now little children abide in Him that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. In Mark 8, Jesus said, Whoever will save his life shall lose it. Whoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory. When you face Jesus Christ, you've been one of those who's been ashamed of the Word of God? Oh, you, you believe the Word of God. I mean, it's all right. But you, you really haven't stood for the Word of God. You're ashamed of Bible people? You say, preacher, what kind of Bible, what, what are Bible people? I'll tell you, read the Word a little bit. There are people who dress modestly. You know, most folks today, they don't have enough clothes on to bridle a mule. Walking around like some proud-looking peacock. My soul have mercy. You see, I want to tell you, the closer you get to God, the more clothes you'll put on. You, 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 mm. We could stay there for a while. Talk, Bible talk, 
Shamed of Bible ways. You're going to find Jesus ashamed of you. You never stood up and talked about him. I mean, how many family reunions? How many, how many funerals? How many Thanksgivings? How many Christmases? How many Fourth of Julys? How many Labor Day picnics? And you never once stood up and said, I want to tell you something, family. I love God. And if you don't get saved, you're going to hell. They don't just need to hear that on Sunday morning from the preacher. They need to hear it every day. Some never defended the Bible. You heard somebody taking God's name in vain. Have you noticed how the, the uh, language, the speech has just gone to the gutter? I mean... You, listen, I remember. Now, now, some of you are going to say, well, your mama was bad. She was bad. I guarantee you she was. Uh, but I wasn't going to tell her that. I remember the first time I said the word darn to my mother, and she slapped me off the couch sitting in the living room. You say, women not supposed to slap their kids. And nobody never told my mama that. <laughs> I mean, I hear people saying things now that, Man would make a sailor blush. And it's common. It's just ordinary. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you've heard someone use God's name in vain, you never even stood up and said, wait a minute. That's my Savior you're talking about. That's the one who died on Calvary for my sin. You're not going to talk about that like not around me like that. Well, I think when Jesus comes, you're going to find that he's ashamed of you. Little children, abide in him. Why do we abide in him? That when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, I'm not talking about whether or not you're saved or not. I'm just talking about God's own children being heart sick and ashamed of Jesus. I go back years ago. We can't go back there today because Sodom and Gomorrah is covered by the Dead Sea or somewhere in that area. But if you could go back there a long time ago, you'd see an old man sitting on a log. You'd say, hey, sir, who are you? He said, I'm Lot. Oh, you're Lot. Man, you're the one with all the rich cattle and oxen. He said, no, not anymore. Fire came down from heaven and destroyed everything I had. Well, uh, your wife, he said, I, I, my wife was destroyed. She was more interested in the world and the flesh than she was in the things of God. She was destroyed. Well, well what about your children? Well, all but two of them burned to death in the fire. Well, who are these two young ladies here. There's two girls walking around and they're untidy and kind of look like, you know, they hadn't had a shower this morning and kind of unkept. He said, those are my daughters. And he said, well, well, who are these two young boys around here? And I imagine old Lot would have had to kind of stammer. Well, uh, I got drunk. And I molested my two daughters. And these are the two kids. 
You think he's going to stand up in heaven and brag about what a great man of God he is? The consequences are going to follow us. They're going to follow us. I think about David. You look in the palace at Jerusalem, and there's David. Whew, what a singer. Ooh, he had a sweet voice. He could play the instrument. My soul, David, the one in the Psalms that was a man after God's own heart. David, you look unhappy. Well, you'd be unhappy too if you'd been through what I've been through. Well, what happened, David? I just keep thinking about the baby. The baby. I led Bathsheba into sin. She announced to me that she's going to have a baby. So I'm going to try to cover it up. And the best soldier I had, one of my dear friends, I had him killed. I thought I had everything covered up. Nobody knew. God sent an old prophet named Nathan. Uncovered everything. Well, hey, David says it, it, it gets worse. One of my sons, Amnon, had a cousin. He was a bad influence on my son, and, and his cousin persuaded him to play sick so his stepsister Tamar could come over and cook for him. And he said, then my son raped my, my stepdaughter there, and, and she went and hid in, in Absalom's home there. And, and he said, I'm just heartbroken. My, my, my baby is dead. My girl has been molested. My son is a murderer. He said, but that's, that's not where it stops. Absalom goes out and tries to steal the kingdom from me. And he raises up the people, and we have to flee for our own lives. He said, then he was going under an oak tree, and the hare got caught in the tree, and they put a spear in him and killed him and piled a heap of rocks over him. And you're going to tell me that God's going to overlook your sin? When Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife, he responded this way in Genesis 39.9. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Not, not against Potiphar. How could I do this sin against God? How could that happen? Those that serve God need to be holy. Seminary and colleges can train young men and young women in academics and education. But I tell you, there ain't nothing like the glory of God. And you've got to be holy before the Lord. It's a prerequisite for service. It's also an adoration to God. And then let, let me close and get out of here. It's an observation of man. The Bible says the holy crown. A crown is worn on someone's head so it'll be visible. So it'll be obviously visible to everybody else. And it's to be observed by men. Aaron was to wear this crown so that the Israelites could see holiness unto the Lord. And the lesson is that our holiness ought to show, not in a flamboyant way, but it ought to show in an evident way. Let me just explain. If you start having to tell people that you're holy, let me just tell you in East Texas language, you ain't holy. 
When you start having to tell people, I really am holy. I, I really am. I'm holy. No, no, you're not. Sharing the plan of salvation is part of this holiness for the observation. Because people need to be saved. Listen, mm, could, could I drive this point through your head this morning? This is not a dress rehearsal. We only get one shot at life. And then it's over. What you're going to do for God, you need to do now. you got family that needs to be saved. They need to be saved now. Well, I don't want to talk to him. It's going to make him mad, and I'm afraid he's going to run him off. I don't know how many times I've had wives. God bless them. I talk to my husband, but be careful. Now. I don't want to run him off. Where are you going to run him? Hell number two? I mean, you're either saved or you're not this morning. So what's the deal? Uh, happened to me on the way over here. That highway patrolman has done everything he can to catch me. <laughs> when, when, you, when you're leaving here and you're cruising and you got a thousand things on your, head, on your mind and you're not thinking about that speed limit and all of a sudden you see those red blue lights in your mirror. I want, and you may be strong. You guys may be just tough. But I'll tell you, the first thing, butterflies come all up and down in my stomach. I can't walk. I'm shaking. If see, he told me to get out and walk a straight line, I couldn't do it for nothing in the world. Let me tell you something. You're going to face somebody one day much higher than the highway patrolman. If he shakes you up, you just think what you're going to do when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. I was our last church. I learned a whole lot. I, I'm, I'm a fast learner. I did my first wedding. I didn't know you needed to line. Th I just thought everybody loved God and was going to do. Man, this first wedding was about 40 minutes late. <laughs> they were dipping snuff. and I tell you, I thought, Lord, just let me get through this. And I'm standing here at the altar, and here comes the bride finally. When a man loves a woman, Percy Sledge is playing. <laughs> we, we, we changed some things after that. But this daughter, her daddy was a contractor. He was pouring some concrete for us one day at the church, and I saw him, and a good friend of mine, and he loved the Lord. And uh, I was walking out there to meet him at lunch, he was smoking a cigarette. And I want to tell you something, guys. Cigarette's not going to send you to hell. It's going to make you smell like you've been there, but it ain't going to send you there. <laughs> All right? He, he's hiding that cigarette under this seat. And I'm just sitting there talking to him just to see how long he can hide it. And I said, Mac, if you don't pick that cigarette up, man, you're going to burn this whole truck up. And he said, well, I don't like to smoke in front of the preacher. I said, don't worry about the preacher. There's somebody much higher in my pay grade watching you besides me. I mean, I've had, if you want to know some of the greatest fun I've had as an old preacher, it would be to catch some of y'all over in the grocery store with liquor in your basket. 
And I'd run to that aisle and you'd run to this aisle. And I'd run to that aisle and you'd run to this aisle. Listen, don't worry about your preacher. We're to be holy before the Lord. Amen. (laughs) My soul. Job said it like this in Job 28. Unto man, he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There's a lot of contemporary evangelism going around today that will tell you you can make a profession of faith, you can be baptized in the water, and then you can go live like you want to live. That is totally contrary to the Word of God. You won't find that anywhere in here. You'll only find it on channel 33 or channel 12 or channel 56. That's where you'll find it. But you're not going to find it in the Word of God. You say, well, preacher, all that's Old Testament. Well, let me give a couple of New Testament. Hebrews 12, 14, without holiness, no one will see God. Now, that's King James. So maybe I need to put it in an English translation. You ain't holy, you ain't seeing God. That's what it says. 1 Peter 1.16, it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Holy God hates sin, and sinners cannot stand before him. The Lord is, is, is a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. You say, well, preacher, what do we do? My prayer is that you and that I and that this church... We'll do what God called us to do. But we'll say, hey, we're not perfect, but we did what God asked us to do. We shared the gospel. We made disciples. We saw people come to Christ by the grace of God. We sensed the power of the Holy Spirit. We grew in Christ. We raised up the next generation to love and to glorify and to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. We made your glory known in a world of urgent spiritual and physical need. We showed your love selflessly. We loved others as ourselves. We used our possessions for what matters most in this world. Now, I know, and and, and listen, I know preachers have to be careful about this because you pay my salary. You really don't. God uses you too. But I'd rather God use you than me have to try to find somebody else he'd use. But most preachers major on the fact we got to grow the church. We got it's got to get bigger. It's got to get bigger. It's got to get bigger. Got to have more people. Got to have more money. No, the church is about ministering to people, so that when the Lord does come, we won't be ashamed. We'll have confidence, Lord. If you come today, we'll have confidence. May it be said to us to the end that we trusted and did what God commanded us to do. Let me share a couple of illustrations from Dr. John R. Rice, one of my favorite preachers. He says, uh, you liken it because, because he actually preached a sermon, No Tears in Heaven. Now, some of you may have never heard this before because we do funerals and we talk about how sweet it is 
that that person going to heaven, there's no more tears, there's no more sorrow. I, I want to remind you, the tears are not wiped away until over in the end of Revelation. It's after the thousand-year millennial. Mm. You mean there may be people disappointed in heaven? I think there will be. Mm. Mm. He says, you're asleep in the middle of the night. Never, never land. I was there last night. When that alarm went off, I bit my lip this morning. That thing scared me so bad. I, was, I had some sweet dreams going on. You're there. Middle of the night, sub-zero temperature. You got one of them old heaters like we used to have. We always had a can on the front of it. Amen? I'm not sure why the can was there, but we, I guess for humidity, I don't know. We always had a can. And that heater got out of whack, set the wall on fire. We're upstairs in a bedroom. So we open the door, and there's smoke everywhere, and we slam the door. I don't know why we slam the door. The whole house is on fire, but anyway, we do. And finally, you hear a siren, and, and here comes a ladder up to the next window up there, next floor, and with an axe. And somebody said, anybody in there? Get out. The roof's fixing to fall in. And you jump out the window, and you got one house shoe on, and you're in your pajamas, and somebody wraps something around you there and warms you up in that sub-zero, and you think, my wife, my kids. But it is too late. It's too late. And I see you the next day, and I said, hey, heard you had a fire over at your house last night. Yeah. Did you get everything out? No. Man, we didn't get nothing out. You mean you didn't get your furniture and nothing? Nothing. Well, how about your wife? She didn't get out. She burned to death. Well, how about your children? They didn't get out. They burned. Well, now if I tell you, well, one thing we can thank God for, you got out alive. I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to celebrate you getting out alive. Let's go down and get a steak. I'll buy it, and I'm, we're going to celebrate you being alive. That's a miracle you got out alive. What are you going to tell me? You know, preacher, I ain't, I ain't hungry. I ain't hungry. I, I got other things on my mind, and I, I, I'm not hungry. Hmm. There's going to be some folk in heaven like that. I mean, can you imagine meeting me in heaven? And some of you say, I'm just telling you the truth. I'm surprised you're here, Brother Charles. <laughs> People hated your guts. You, you've just preached judgment, and you preach sin, and you preach holiness. and Man, I, I, I'm just surprised you're here. Well, I'm here. How you and your wife doing? Well, my wife didn't make it. We went over there, and I thought we could listen to that preacher, but he didn't tell us the whole truth. I said, well, how about your, your kids? No. He said, I don't understand, preacher. We took them to Sunday school. You would have thought the Sunday school teacher would have done that. Hmm. And if I were to tell you, well, at least we can glorify and praise God that you made it. Let's just praise the Lord that you're safe. You would probably tell me, preacher, 
I really don't want to praise the Lord right now. My wife's in hell. My children are in hell. I really, I got too much on my mind right now. Now let me turn this around and, and try to make it good. Look at verse 40, or actually verse 42 of chapter 39. Because here's the deal. For us today, on August the 8th, you say, how can I get something out of this? It's examination time. You need to examine your heart. And not, nobody else, I want to tell you, you can lie to the preacher till you're blue in the face. I don't believe half of what any of y'all tell me. It's not between me and you. It's between God and you. In verse 42, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel made all the work. And Moses did look upon all the work, and behold, they had done it as the Lord had commanded. Even so, they had done it. And Moses blessed them. You want to know what the good thing is this morning? You've got another opportunity. This morning, if you've never been saved, you've got another opportunity to come and meet Jesus Christ. That's the good news. This morning, if you say, this is what's holding me up from being holy before God, he's given you another opportunity to come to this altar and fall on your face before God and say, Lord, I need your help. I need you. I'm coming just like I am. I'm not trying to tidy up. I didn't put on any perfume. I didn't have no powder. I'm coming just like I am. Lord, you clean me up. You make me holy. And according to what Moses says here in chapter 39, when you do what the Lord commands, he'll bless you. You want the blessings of God? And I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about your family in the future. I saw a little picture yesterday on Facebook of Isabel when she was two years old. Oh, my goodness. Time flies. Time flies. Don't miss the opportunity to tell your children and your grandchildren. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, uh, might, and, and all thy soul. And shall teach unto them diligently. <laughs> diligently. In the house when thou layest down, when thou walkest by the way, when thou risest up. Teach them the things of God diligently. It's your decision. Father, thank you today that we've got another opportunity. We're still breathing. You haven't come back. Anything we've got that separates us from you, we have an opportunity to confess that before you and you separate it as far as the east is from the west. Maybe there are those in this place today. They need Jesus. Lord, let today be the day. Maybe there are those that need a church home, need somewhere where the word of God is going to be preached and believed in the sufficiency and the teachers in the Sunday school and life groups are going to teach it. The activities and the youth and the children are going to portray it. Lord, if it's your will they come to this church, then Lord, you work that out. If it's not, send them where they need to be. 
But oh God, one more time, would you fall fresh on this place? In Jesus' name. Stand with me. As Brother Aaron leads us in the song, you come. Come stand with me here. Just as I am without one plea, but that